We've talked a lot about inflation and the real economy, but what does it mean for investment opportunities? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of July 26th, 2021. And today we're going to address one of the highlights of our mid-year outlook and our perspectives on the market, which is inflation. Inflation has been absolutely all over the economic and market news. Any page you turn to in the newspaper will have something on inflation. You see it in the headlines, including our own podcast. But today, we'd like to zero in on how inflation makes its way to investments. To help us make sense of this complicated beast that is inflation and asset allocation, we have with us Michael De Palma, who is a managing director at Mackay Shields. Michael is a good friend of the multi-asset solutions team and has conducted substantial and substantive research on inflation and how it impacts asset classes over time. So Michael, thank you very much for joining us as today's expert. Good to be here. I'd like to start, Michael, with just a very basic question, which no doubt has a complicated answer, but why do investors care about inflation? Nothing like starting off with a softball, Lauren. So I guess there are two perspectives from which to look at that question. From a macroeconomic perspective, inflation acts as a tax on returns. In other words, whatever you earn on an investment, it'll be worth less after inflation. So for example, if inflation were just 2% a year, a dollar would be worth 98 cents a year from now. And if it persists, the same dollar would be worth just 91 cents after five years. On the other hand, if inflation were to come in at twice that rate, say 4% annually, a dollar would be worth just 82 cents after five years. And Inflation also impacts the market discount rate, potentially leading to changes in borrowing costs for companies and the way assets are valued on a present value basis. And then there's the microeconomic impact. So at the firm level, for example, inflation can impact a company's levers of value creation, including their costs of goods and labor, their borrowing costs, and the prices that they charge their customers. When you put these factors together, inflation can have a pretty meaningful impact on investment decisions, and that's why investors care. Wow, that's very, very well said, I think very clear. But let's say more about that, dive a little bit deeper. It sounds like inflation isn't always positive for investments. And in fact, the impacts of inflation could be moving in opposite directions for some asset classes. Yeah, that's true. So rising inflation can have a dual impact on asset returns. So on the positive side, companies with pricing power can pass through inflation to their customers in the form of higher prices. On the opposite end of that, rising inflation expectations typically leads to higher discount rates, which can result in the market devaluing an asset's future cash flows, and that results in lower present values today. Both of those dynamics, they work in opposite directions, and the net impact of those forces determines how an asset will respond in an environment of rising inflation. So depending on which of these forces prevails, factors like which sectors of the market you own or the duration of your bond portfolio will play a big role in how the portfolio performs. 
Okay, that makes sense. So, so we have to consider both of these factors when assessing the net impact of inflation on asset classes. Now, just recognizing that inflation has been top of mind for investors, um, what do you think about that? Does inflation really merit the attention it's getting right now? Are the, the impacts, whether positive or negative, quite as large as folks are considering in their allocations? Well, in some ways, yes, because investors who prove successful in timing inflation surprises may be rewarded by markets. But on the other hand, holding an inflation-sensitive asset for too long could also detract from performance. Okay, that, that's interesting. So it sounds like, as in most things related to investing, there's an important element of timing a change and how long you might expect that change to last. Exactly. So unexpected changes in the overall level of prices can prompt a much stronger reaction from the market than expected price increases. However, the order of magnitude of inflation pressures matters less than the duration of those changes. In other words, a, a big move in inflation might not be as important as a prolonged, durable move in inflation. Markets are discounting mechanisms, remember. So unexpected changes, especially persistent ones, will likely carry the strongest implications for asset allocation. Okay, so if, if we take for granted that the size of a move and how long a move in inflation lasts matters a lot, let's just say all else equal. Are there differences in investment outcomes or investment returns when we have more inflation compared to those when we have lower inflation? So when, when you look at asset class performance over time, there appears to be this trade-off between inflation protection in the near term and risk-adjusted returns over the long term. So for example, equities have shown that they can overcome the detrimental impact of inflation over the long run, but their short and medium-term track record as an inflation hedge is actually relatively poor. Interesting. Why do you think that is? That I think maybe our listeners wouldn't have thought that maybe considered equities a better inflation hedge. What do you what do you see there? Well, it all comes down to sort of the fundamentals of equity investing. So equity earnings tend to grow faster in years when inflation accelerates, but the market also applies a higher discount rate to those cash flows, which would result in lower valuations on a present value basis. And this is the trade-off we were just discussing. And the trade-off is actually evident in other asset classes as well. Using, for example, commodities, commodities have had a consistently positive relationship with accelerating inflation. But commodities have also delivered relatively poor long-term returns. Okay, so what we're getting at here in this conversation so far is that the impact of inflation on investments really depends. It depends on how long a period of inflation that we have, the characteristics of a given asset class, and the, the trade-offs between how a company can pass on inflation, the discount rate, lots of different factors. But the, the gist of it is that inflation doesn't impact asset allocation in a vacuum. There's lots of other things to consider. So from your perspective, Michael, what other things about the investment environment should we be considering when we think about this question of inflation? So I'd say another important thing investors really have to consider is market expectation, which can play a pretty important role in what investors can hope to gain from positioning for inflation. Frankly, the, the same would hold true for economic growth. Um, in, you know, in fact, the interaction between realized inflation and economic growth and market expectations for growth and inflation is particularly important when thinking about how to position your portfolio. So when you think about it, most investors are conditioned to think of inflation as a risk, and it is, but it's also an opportunity. In fact, actually, as we alluded to a few times in this conversation already, asset prices respond to expectations that the probability of future cash flows will change. So saying that another way, asset prices should react more strongly to unexpected news than expected news. In fact, you could actually make a, an argument that assets shouldn't respond at all to expected events because markets themselves should have already discounted 
what's expected. So if reported inflation comes in on expectation, that should already be priced into an asset. So it's the unexpected news that should move the market. And that's a critical distinction when thinking about portfolio positioning. Yeah, that's really interesting because inflation, as, as Robert said at the top of the program, has been top of mind for everybody interested in investments and asset allocation. And so that element of expectations is really interesting and, and it sounds like very critical. Can you can you give an example of how this difference plays out in real life, maybe whether it's a time period or an asset class, how those unexpected changes look different compared to when maybe there isn't as much of a surprise? Sure. So if, if you think about the last 50 years, say, since going back to the early 1970s, when if you look at periods when inflation and growth both surprise to the upside, some of the asset classes we consider as inflation hedges, such as commodities, for example, or equities that are tied to commodity prices, such as, for example, natural resources companies, they showed strong gains. Whereas bonds and REITs, for example, posted modest declines during those same periods. But by contrast, in periods when inflation surprised higher, but growth disappointed, then some commodities do even better, such as precious metals. In fact, gold in particular does well in those environments, but natural resources soft suffered due to economic growth concerns, and REITs and bonds showed modest gains. So as you noted earlier, thinking about the inflation environment in a vacuum isn't really enough. We also have to consider the characteristics of inflation and in conjunction with factors like economic growth and market expectations. It's so interesting and comes down to, I think it's it's complicated and, and, and challenging and we'll get to the portfolio pause here in a moment. But I think one of the takeaways for investors might be to, to really consider whether we can as investors time these changes and how we take that into account in our investment process. But before we get there, I'm interested, Michael, what is that historical experience that you've analyzed? What does that tell us about today and you know, an environment where we do expect prices to move higher in the coming 6-12 months, but that expectation is, is fairly broad. You know, what do you think that tells us about market opportunity? So the framework that we just talked about, which is sort of juxtaposing growth and inflation surprises, they can give us some clues as to where risks could be looming down the road. So, for example, today, current expectations for both growth and inflation are the highest, at least in the last decade. So should either growth or inflation expectations be missed, then asset performance will likely look a lot different than from what we've come to expect from a high growth, high inflation scenario. On the other hand, if both inflation and growth expectations disappoint, then market volatility could spike. Risky assets may very well suffer. I think now is a good time to move to our portfolio pause. And Michael, as you may know, this is a segment of the program where we share an investment idea to our listeners. This time around, I'd like to focus in on what investors can actually do with all this great information you've shared for us to, and Michael, you, you now have provided this pretty intricate backdrop on how to understand inflation and its impacts on asset classes. But what exactly do you do with this information and how is it important to your own investment process? So I'd say, you know, the macroeconomic backdrop in general, of which our inflation outlook is a pretty important part of, is a critical input into our investment process at Mackay. You know, inflation is always important for the reasons we just discussed, because remember, it's what you don't expect that has the biggest impact on asset prices. And, you know, if, if history is, has shown us anything, inflation hasn't always risen or fallen, frankly, in a predictable fashion. You know, even when inflation is low or seemingly well behaved, it has the potential to surprise in either direction, either because something results in a change in prices or because expectations change. 
So another question we always need to ask ourselves when gauging either inflation or growth expectations is, do we expect these changes to be lasting or short-lived? Each scenario is going to likely result in a different response from the assets. So, and, and then taking that a step further, it's just as important to understand the implications of inflation on each investment that we hold. So, for example, in equities or corporate debt, which companies can navigate rising input costs or potentially higher borrowing costs? So careful analysis from both the top-down and the bottom-up perspective is essential for investment success. Well, a lot goes into your investment process there, and that's extremely important to potentially navigate the investment environment. Recognizing all those factors you just listed, what is the most important one for investors to consider right now? The market's focus on inflation right now stems not just from elevated readings and uncertainty about when or whether pricing pressure will ultimately moderate, but also from uncertainty over the Fed's new policy strategy and their desire for you know, a sustained inflation overshoot, which they've mentioned repeatedly in the past. On any given day, for example, markets seem to vacillate between concerns that the Fed will get cold feet and react to high inflation even before they achieve maximum employment, or, on the other hand, concern that the Fed will fall behind the curve, potentially, you know, at some point necessitating a sharp rate increase later, which could lead us into a recession. So there are a lot of things to consider today, all of which makes the environment we're in very challenging. And all of it comes back to what expectations are and what reality will actually look like. And somehow it always comes back to the Fed on this program. So whenever we bring up the Fed, I think it's natural for Lauren to come back into the conversation. But I don't want to ask you about the Fed, Lauren, per se. Instead, I know that you've been doing a lot of work with investors across New York Life Investments platform to determine how they consider inflation in their own process. And so I'd like to take a step back and look at it from the thousand foot view. What is your takeaway from these conversations with investors? Well, I think Michael has done an outstanding job outlining the fact that while inflation is extremely important for investors, for asset allocators like us, Robert, who think top down, and all the way down to the individual asset class, even security level. And investors have to consider all different types of contributors to and knock-on effects from the inflationary environment, all the way up and down that investment management chain. You know, will growth persist? Can companies pass inflationary pressures onto their customers? And will that result in even more inflation that the Fed has to react to? It's a lot to consider. And, and what came out most in my conversations with investors is that the macroeconomic environment matters a lot. But the microeconomic environment, the ability of individual companies and strategies to adapt to a macroeconomic change is also really important. And that's why you and I, Robert, have been speaking so much about active management in recent months. When there's a lot of change going on, like it is the case now, skilled managers can assess company characteristics that would thrive in an inflationary scenario, maybe you know, benefit rather than express risk or persist in a deflationary environment. And so as the macroeconomic environment changes and as market breadth expands and narrows, it's, again, particularly important to consider the specific sources of return that investors can leverage. Wow. You both have shared some very complex ideas and implications today, and we're running a little bit short on time, but I want to bring this all full circles to our listeners and just say that it is okay if this is confusing economic environment. Inflation is an important change and uncertainty around inflation may contribute to market volatility, but it's not just a macro change. These are serious micro impacts too. 
higher input costs and the potential for higher borrowing costs, as Michael talked about, could mean that business margins come under pressure. That isn't to say that corporate profits will contract, but that outperformance may be driven instead by companies that can maintain or grow their margins despite these rising costs. Already in today's environment, we are seeing a greater percentage of active equity managers outperform their benchmark than has been the case in recent years. And I think what's more is that the size of the outperformance, the actual percentage of outperformance has been increasing across major important asset classes. So this may be a time to consider active management across asset classes in order to navigate this rapidly shifting environment. Yes. In other words, leave it to the experts like Michael. Truly so much to consider today. And I've just genuinely enjoyed the conversation. Michael, thank you so much for for joining us, for sharing your insights and to put a lot of complicated charts and concepts into words that I think are very relatable for the audience of our podcast. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, it's Fed Week, and you know they'll be thinking a lot about these inflationary pressures. We're still on team transitory, expecting that over the next 6-12 months, inflationary pressures will wane, but we'll be watching that meeting very closely. As has been said abundantly on this program, there's nothing more important than Fed Week, so I'm going to end it there. All right, well, that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or a topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our website. That's newyorklifeinvestments.com and click on the insights tab where you'll find a written version of Michael's analysis and the uh, compiled analysis of the investors that we shared today. Until then, I'm Robert Serenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adapt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an investor's financial circumstances. The information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. Mackay Shields is a sub-advisor for some mainstay funds and one of the New York Life Investments Company. Not all products and services provided by Mackay Shields may be available to all investors, limited by applicable laws and regulations in certain jurisdictions. Any opinions expressed are the views and opinions of certain investment professionals at Mackay Shields which are subject to change without notice. No part of this material may be reproduced in any form or referred to in any other publication without the express written permission of Mackay Shields. New York Life Investments is both the service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management LLC and distributed by NYLIFE Distributors LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07 302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylight Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.